Hey, this is Dwayne Larson, and welcome to It's a Music Thing, a podcast about, well, you guessed it, music. Each week, I'll try to bring you new stories from artists and other people in the music industry. I want to make this podcast one of your go-to music podcasts. There are a few ways you can help me make this happen. Go subscribe on iTunes, and if you feel so inclined, rate us. Also, tell your friends about It's a Music Thing. Nothing like word-of-mouth advertising. That goes a long, long way. Also, check out and follow our social media pages. It's a Music Thing MB on Instagram. Uh, on Facebook, it's It's a Music Thing. The website is It's a Music Thing.com. Also, if you f- want to, drop me a line at It's a Music Thing mb at gmail.ca if you have a show idea or would like to be interviewed or heck maybe you even know someone that wants to be interviewed all right enough of my droning on and on let's get on with the show and welcome back to It's a Music Thing, the podcast. I am your host, Wayne Larson. And on today's show, like always, I am super stoked. I'm always super stoked to get to talk to anybody because it's it's a fun thing to do to learn about people. But on today's show, I got a chance to talk to my buddy, Kevy. Um, I met Kevy when he was touring through with, uh, with Die Mannequin. They were gracious enough to ask me to come photograph them backstage, photograph their show, sound check. So I get to know Kevy and all the people in the band a little bit. Um, but Kevy is is somebody else that I also saw, I think a couple years before that, but I can't remember. He used to be in, or used to be, is in a band called Fake Shark Real Zombie. They used to be called that. And now they're just called Fake Shark. And he is a person of many hats. He's a singer, a producer, a songwriter, a podcaster. Um, he co-hosts a podcast called Comedy Here Often. He produces a bunch of really great comedy albums for, I, I believe it's 604 Records. And he's he's written with the, the likes of Carly Rae Jepsen and a a bunch of other people that I can't remember right now. Carly Rae Jepsen just sticks out in my head because we go into it a little bit in the podcast. Uh, we also talk about how he became friends with Kat Von D. It, you know, it's, it's amazing how little our, our, our worlds are. Um, and we, we, it, it's, yeah, it's just great. I love Kevy, super upbeat guy, super funny, super witty. And it was, it was such a huge pleasure to get to talk to him and we we did this a few months ago, so it's been a while. Uh, they've since uh, Fake Shark has since released a, a new album called House of Mirrors on Light Organ Records, and they've got a new video out called uh, Electric Touch. The video is hilarious. Uh, I'm going to be playing the song. Obviously, you can't see the video on here, but you I highly recommend the link. I will put a link in their YouTube page. Go check it out. It's really funny. Um, and I, I can't say enough good things about fake shark. They are such a fun band. It's syrupy pop that just, it, it gets stuck in your head. And if I actually like dancing, I might want to dance. So, you know, eh, that might be something you want to do, but, uh, also again, big thank you to everyone that continues to support the podcast. It really means a lot to me. Um, thank you for reaching out. Um, I've got a bunch of great show ideas from people 
and more stuff coming. I'm just trying to get caught up on a lot of the stuff that I had backlogged so that I can start anew. Uh, yeah. So here's my conversation with Kevy. Yeah. With, with, here is my conversation with Kevy from Shake Fake Shark. Oh my God. Am I drunk? I don't think I've been drinking. All right. Take three. Let's just try it again. Here is my conversation with Kevy from Fake Shark. All right, I guess uh, first and foremost, uh, who, do I, who, who do I have on the phone today? My name is Kevy. Um, I'm a singer in a band called Fake Shark. I'm a music producer, a songwriter, and a comedy producer. And uh, I reside half the time in Vancouver and half the time in Los Angeles. Nice. And so what I, what I kind of like to do when I get a chance, to especially talk to just like one person from a band or just a single individual as opposed mm-hmm. to the group... Um, yep. I like to kind of go back to when it all started, kind of do a bit of a deep dive and I like to call it my way back machine. And yeah. I always like to know, do you remember the first time you heard music that wasn't like a lullaby or something like kids music where it really resonated with you? Dude, I don't even think I heard a lullaby. <laughs> I, uh, that's what happens when you have a young mom. She's not going to be showing you um Sharon Lois and Bram it's all Prince and Madonna so really that's that's the the beginning was um I remember my first piece of music that my mom got me was Bat Dance by Prince on vinyl oh wow like it's pretty good yeah good mom yeah that's Um, very good yeah and I liked it and uh it worried my my dad he was like Prince and I still love Prince so fuck you dad (laughs) um yeah so that was it. Um, I, she, my mom played a lot of music. She was really into heart. So I grew up on that and um, Tina Turner. And, and then uh, she was like pretty young when she had me. So mm. her, her music taste was still current when I was old enough to understand what was going on. So she like loved Nirvana. So oh nice. that was, that was like Nirvana and Utero was like a groundbreaking record for me. And then the first piece of music I paid for myself was Method Man's album T Cal and it's still like one of my favorite albums. Oh nice. I'm I'm whenever anybody asks me that question, I'm like it, it the first I remember the first CDs I bought. Yeah. And it is so it's not embarrassing because I'm, I'm nothing's not, embarrassing. No, I, I I'm not embarrassed by the music that I like and continue to like. And even yeah. now I hear it and I'm like, yeah, it brings me back to a time, a place. It was the two mm-hmm. that I bought with my very own money. Um, one was uh, Brooks and Dunn. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, with Boot Scoot and Boogie on it. Mm-hmm. And then the other one was Snow, 12 Inches of Snow. See, that's like how when I was like eight, or I can't, I think I was like eight, I was like, my favorite artists are as follows Nirvana, Salt and Peppa. Yeah. And, uh, and what else? I remember thinking like, they should do a tour together. Like to me, it just made sense. It's just, yeah. it's just shit. I like, like yep. I didn't know about genre. So you just fucking like what you like. Yeah. No, I, I, I'm a hundred percent with you on that. Like growing up when I started going to shows, there mm. would be like, they'd usually start the whole show out with like an acoustic person. And then it would yeah. be like a hardcore band and then a punk band. And then maybe like a death metal band. Sometimes there's some hip hop thrown in there. And mm. I mean, I don't know about, if they do that too much in Vancouver, it's starting to come back a little bit here in Winnipeg when we could go to shows. It would be like a bunch of 
different sounding bands on one bill, which made me very happy because I give yeah. them a few listens and I'm like, if I don't like this, I will just go outside or go to the back of the uh, the venue and just have a beer yeah. or something. Yeah. I, li- I mean, I don't think Vancouver really does that. Uh, I mean, Fake Shark, when we do shows, we always have stand-up comedians open. Yeah. Um, and I prefer that because then by the time, if there's like two stand-up comedians and then um, by the time music hits the stage, it's just different. You're not tired of it at that point, mm-hmm. you know? And I also, I also think shorter, the better. So like each comedian does like seven minutes and then we do like 45. Yeah. That's just a good show. You're not like so tired and I get bored at shows, dude. I leave shit early all the time. Yeah. I'm, I'm the same way. Even when I'm shooting, I'm like, okay, yeah. are, th- are they going to, are they going to do anything interesting now? No. Okay. I can, I'm, I'm going to go home now. I'm, I'm, I'm done. Yeah. Yeah. And- it's hard to, um, to stay captivated beyond the first couple songs, uh, even with gimmicks. Like, although I will say I went and saw pink this year and it was pretty goddamn good the whole time. Oh my God. I, I saw her, um, last time she was in Winnipeg and, she blew my mind. Like, yeah. I don't know how you do all that shit and keep singing and not mm-hmm. like run out of breath. It was very amazing. Yeah. She's the real deal, man. I actually saw her on her first tour too, somehow. So it was cool to see her then. And then also now. Yeah. That would be great. Cause then you see, I mean, that's what I also, what I love about seeing being into some of the music that I'm into is you get to yeah. see, like bands at their infancy just about and then see where they go. And it's one of the bands that pops into my head was, uh, or is July talk. Um, oh yeah. I, I, I saw the oh, whole ph- phenomenal. That's one show. I don't leave early cause it's all yeah. entertaining all the way through. And the music's phenomenal. They're great human yeah. beings. And yeah. I mean, I saw them here in Winnipeg with like 12 people at a very oh, awesome. small show. And now they're yeah. doing like arena shows. So, and haven't changed. Yeah. Like at all, they awesome. still great people. Um, so oh, it sounds. Oh, can I can I do one thing that's really going to date this episode to this time? Yep. Check this out. So I'm getting in. I'm washing my hands. Ah, yes. Very good. See Very that? good. See that? Ten, eleven. What, what did I say? Twenty seconds. I think something like that. I was going to say, are you going to say the ABCs? Yeah. I I don't know those. I'm very <laughs> uneducated. Very difficult for me. All right. So we're, do you continue? So we're just lucky we that you can count to 20. I don't even know if I can do that. Did you hear that? I got to like 11 and I got stumped. I, I thought you just faked it the whole way through, really. So <laughs> I also started at four. So Yeah, exactly. So we, we don't know really what happened over there. I don't, I don't know. So it sounds like growing up, I mean, you definitely had a very, maybe you still do have a very hip mother um, yeah. music-wise. Um, so growing up, would it be fair to say that your, your home life was very musical? Like there's always kind of music in the house? Um, kind of, I mean, I, um, basically I was raised by a single mom. Um, don't know my dad anymore, but we, my mom worked a lot. And so I was by myself most of the time. Mm -hmm. So, and I'm an only child. So I was really like a lot of like, I I was kind of raised by TV in a way, you know? And, um, and so I would say I watched a lot of TV and just drew drew pictures all the time. And uh, I mean, music was like important, but it, I feel like I was raised more by television than yeah. anything. Yeah. And so when did when did you start to to get into music? When did you start like 
did you grow up in Vancouver? I grew up in Langley, which is like okay, yep. um, a suburb outside of Vancouver. And um, yeah, I, I got into it. Basically what happened was when my parents split up, my, uh, my biological dad started dating this woman who had three kids. Mm-hmm. And the oldest kid was super into gangster rap. And then I, so he would like, I just spent all this time with him. He's like a couple of years older, older than me. And he'd like show me stuff like Menace of Society. And it was like just so shocking. But it, the, it just was like so badass to me that I got like fully into just gangster rap for like mm. a few years. So that was kind of my introduction. Like I, li- I liked Nirvana a lot and all that. And then I just abandoned all of it for like Ice Cube yep. and like on- Onyx and Wu-Tang and stuff. And then, and then when I became a teenager, I discovered like metal and punk rap. And then I abandoned hip hop completely and was only like into that stuff and definitely had a big goth phase and yep. <laughs> everything. And then now I just kind of like everything. Yeah. Th- I mean, this, this is sounding very familiar to my, my history as yeah. well. Like it's, yeah. um, and so in Langley, was there much of a music scene? Like were, were, were there shows oh, yeah. going on? Were there, there was, there were awesome shows that are like still legendary. Like, like Gob is from Langley. And so they would have these concerts called punk strikes back. And it would be like Gob. And then like a bunch of like uh, bands they would choose to open that would not be the same genre. So like swollen members opened once and like um, hardcore bands. And then I discovered straight edge culture through that. And uh, it was great. It was like, it was really, it really did. It was really something I would look really look forward to was like $5 shows. Mm-hmm. You know? And then I, and then when you're so impressionable, you're like, well, I want to do that. Or at least I was. And so my friends started a band. They want to start like a straight edge hardcore band. And so they had everything but a bass player. So I was like, guess I play bass. And then <laughs> I bought a bass for like $150 of a P Squire bass mm-hmm. piece, piece of shit. And then, and then we started playing and then I thought like, well, who's, I want to be, I want to get good. I don't, I don't want to just be like one of those, those guys in one of those bands that I've been seeing. I want to be like really good. Who's the best bass player? I was here about this Primus band oh, Jesus. and then I saw, and then I went and saw Primus and then I was obsessed. Yeah. I was like, they were like my favorite now. I, mean, I saw them open. I saw them open for Limp Biscuit. Oh, and I was like, Oh, this, this is the shit. And also all my friends were like, Primus is terrible. And I was like, no, 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 you don't, no. you don't get, you don't understand this. This is my band now. See, see, that's what I say. And I mean, I've said this on the podcast before and it, it's very, People fall into two camps with this. I always say I don't like Tool. Yeah. I am not a fan of Tool at all. Mm-hmm. Will I say their music's bad? No, never. It's just it is, it is really no, it's I've tried yeah. to listen to it. Yeah. I I we even left halfway through a Tool concert because I'm like, mm-hmm. this is fucking boring. The music's great. <laughs> Maybe if yeah. I was on psychedelics or something and going on a nice intergalactic yeah. trip with them. It would be wonderful, but yeah. I can't do it. So, yeah, it, yeah. I mean, I, I feel like that the people that were saying, like, Primus sucks, it's like, no, you just you just don't get it. That's the thing, though, is, like, um, when I was around that age, I would very much be like, you know, you know, fucking Backstreet Boys suck or whatever. And then it's like, then I got my version of that, which is people saying that stuff I like suck. Yeah. So at a, at a young age, I kind of abandoned that whole thing and um, where – it's like, I know good music. You don't know good music. It's so subjective. <laughs> yeah. 
And so now, now as an adult, when a, people my age are still doing that, it really annoys me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even if you don't like something, that's cool. You don't. No one. No one needs. I don't want everyone to like the same music I like because then it's not as special to yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah. And so that first band, you you picked up the bass. I'm sure you were, you know, just as good as Les Claypool. Um, oh, absolutely. So that first that 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 first band, what you guys were playing like straight edge kind of like hardcore then? We, yeah, we were trying to, but um, it's funny though. Even though I was the last one to get going with an instrument, I was the most motivated, mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it was really hard to get anyone to try. And then it fell apart quickly. But I kept playing bass. And then I started a band because um, I went to an art high school. Mm-hmm. I started a band with some friends, and it was like an instrumental, like Sonic Youthy kind of band with no vocalist. And that was the first time we played show. I played shows ever. Oh, okay. And uh, and I remember I got our first the first show we ever played. I ever played in my life was like outdoor festival. There was no one there, but it was still like an outdoor thing. Yeah. And uh, I got so nervous that my my wrist tensed up while we were playing, and like I couldn't really play. Oh man! I just faked it. No one noticed. Yeah. It, but my hand my hand seized up, and I was like, "Oh my god, this is the <laughs> worst possible uh, scenario for this situation. This is like my nightmare." And so, did performing so, yeah. after that? Did it did it get like once you kind of got the nerves out? Did it ever? Because I know some <laughs> some performers still like even huge pop stars still get nervous before they get on stage. Did it kind of even out after a while? Yeah. I mean, um, I, we didn't, we didn't play a lot of shows with that band. And then, and then we, I started another band after that, but um, I, I, I kind of get started. I, it changed where I was like, like fiending for playing live and like attention, I guess, or something. And like my next band was like really shocking. Like it was like, we would, we would like, um, get my friend who did drag queen makeup to like do do me and this other dude up and we'd like gangster rap and it was just so offensive and and it's like I just wanted to be shocking I think mm-hmm. you know and then it's funny because we'd like open for grindcore bands and stuff like that and, like <laughs> the, the 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 fan base of those bands would be like what the fuck like and yeah. I liked that I, I liked being like feeling like more punk rock than punk rock you know yeah exactly yeah and because i just hated cliques and i hated hipsters and i hated all that stuff now i don't care like i really don't care yeah but but at the time i was just so so rebellious and feeling and angry about um people kind of like falling in line with things and Mm -hmm. not just liking what they like um yeah i was was an angry teenager i mean (laughs) as most of us were honestly yeah. And now some of us are just angry old men that yell at clouds because that's Absolutely. all we that's all I can do right now. Those clouds deserve it. it Let's be it, honest. Yeah, they're all white and above me. Come on, clouds. Um so when did you you're 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 playing in bands, everything's kind of I mean, by the sounds of it, kind of like starts up, fizzles out very quickly, um, or semi quickly. When mm-hmm. did you when did you start to think that you were like you were getting proficient or good at your your instrument and starting to take kind of the music like industry as like taking it a little more seriously well i i had a really hard time finding people as dedicated as me and then um the guitar player who's in fake shark uh lewis he would come to the shows of that shocking band i was just talking about Mm -hmm. we're called the Young, young professionals he would come to the shows all the time and then he said he's like uh he's like my goal is start a band with you 
a, a real band because that that band didn't have instruments or anything. You're just like yelling over a mini disc player. And then I was like, mm, I'm not into instruments. <laughs> he always brings <laughs> that up that I said that. Uh, and then and then I started to realize like, oh, I want to have a music career actually. So maybe I should embrace um, fronting an actual band instead of like this sort of shock. Like I would I would get into things and then over them really quickly when mm-hmm. I felt like I did what I had to do. And so he was the first person who was as motivated as me. And so he and I started a band called Fake Shark Real Zombie, which was like a punk rock, like Blood Brothers-y kind of band. Yeah. And uh, and then we started looking for drummers on Craigslist, and we were getting like, once again, it's like we'd, we'd have someone in, and they'd we'd be like, okay, let's do this. And then they'd kind of like just lose interest, and we were just so serious about it. And so... We eventually found a dude from Craigslist and then cut a two-song demo, and then Lewis went to England and um, was showing it to people, and he made friends with the guy that – Dev Hines, who ended up being Blood Orange, the R&B singer. Okay. He was in a band called Test Icicles, and they were like – they were like us, kind of. They were like – they were, they played really heavy music, but they wore like tight pants. Like It was kind of like Refused influenced, like all of us were. Like yeah. I loved Refused and stuff, and it was like – I liked that they were like really fucking heavy, but they didn't have like big baggy camo shorts on and stuff. You know yeah. what I mean? So, um, but I also had my heyday of big baggy camo shorts. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, no, I, but, yep. Uh... <laughs> yep, I, 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 I still may have a pair up in my closet that my girlfriend absolutely fucking hates and they're Fair starting enough. to fall apart and I put patches on them and I'm like, yep. nope, I'm, I'm not getting rid of these, but anyway. Fair enough. Yeah. But, um, so, so we just became friends with them and then they, they were, blowing up and they asked us to come tour with them in england so we did and then that was that was my first tour was like this arena tour in england which was really crazy and then um and then we we because of that fake shark real zombie got a uh record deal in japan mm-hmm. and then so we we had to like find band members like we we things were like happening quick and then we had to figure it out and so we we put together a little band and then toured japan and then uh, england like four times and then that was all off just like one album yeah. and then and then we started making a second album and uh and then our tastes had changed so much that we totally alienated our fan base because me and lewis were so into like pantera and stuff mm-hmm. and then our fan base wanted like fast wacky like blood brothers punk rock and stuff and so we kind of pissed them off i think and then um i still think that album's good it's called meeting people is terrible and it was produced by this guy dave ogilvie who was in skinny puppy and um, so I still think that's a cool album. <laughs> no one really heard it. And then um, and then after that, um, I started, I, I, I like, um, because Dave Ogilvie was in Skinny Puppy and he, you know, produced Perfect Drug by Nine Inch Nails and all this stuff. I was really into that. And so I wanted to just work with him as much as I could. And so I just started tagging along with him to things and mm-hmm. working on working on his projects for free. And then um, that through that, I met Carly Ray Jepsen, and this is when she was not famous. And then we became friends and started re- co-writing songs. And then through that, I got to produce some stuff for 604 Records, and then which led to a record deal with 604 Records. And then here we are. I've been with them for like eight years. Nice. So it's really it's really weird. It went from like the most unlistenable art rock to like Carly Ray Jepsen. I've done it. I've done both things. I mean, you're you're a man of many talents. <laughs> it's just, really, I, I mean, just, thanks, man. I, I I really think I just don't think I I, I 
maybe this is ego. I just, I think I can do anything. I don't know why that is. I, I feel like I'm surprised when other people don't think like, oh, I can learn that and do that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Are you, are you one of those kind of people that doesn't say no to anything? Um, I've been that guy and it really doesn't make me happy mm-hmm. um, because I, I got to, luckily I can be picky with my projects. You know, like Michaela Slinger, whose album I just produced, like I really fucking believe in her, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I was happy to spend four months on that project and co-write and engineer and do everything. And, and like, you know, I'm trying to help her, you know, skip some mistakes that I made when I was in her position too. Like I'm just really invested. And so I, I, I've been through that where I'm just saying yes to everything, but then you end up with a bunch of things with people who aren't really that motivated or don't really have the vision that you feel they should have or haven't put in the reps or whatever. So I don't do that now. Yeah, which is which is great because yeah. and then you're overextending yourself too and you yeah. don't have then, time for you. Yeah, and then all your projects are a little watered down. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm really picky now, but I do a lot of stand-up comedy stuff too. Um and so I like the balance of both things. So, with with Fake Shark, I mean, you guys were you're touring, like you said you're touring overseas first. Yeah. Touring Canada. I think you have five albums if I if I did that Fake right. Fake Shark reels Fake Shark Real Zombie has three, and then, then to me, Fake Shark's different because yes. it's. I wanted to change the name actually, but I got outvoted. But <laughs> um, it it really we've been Fake Shark has been together for about five years. It's like a different lineup and different sound. It's like mm-hmm. more like funky, funky indie pop, kind of like Beck or um, Big Data or something like that. And uh, Fake Shark has has an album, a full length, and an EP. And then we have another EP coming out. Uh, I think in the summertime. Okay. Yeah. Then. Yeah. And then, so you got you guys are touring, um, fake shark, mm-hmm. real zombie slash fake mm-hmm. shark, but always staying busy. And yeah. by the sounds of it, you started kind of looking into like, were you producing the uh, the fake shark stuff as well when you were like in there recording? More or less, like the first album, which is called Zebra Zebra, which I really like that album. Um, I, there was this engineer that was doing all the punk albums in town and mm-hmm. his shit just sounded so heavy. His name is Andy Crimson. And uh, we did, we, he engineered it and produced it, but I kind of did some programming and stuff. So that was kind of me like dipping my toes into the water of, of that stuff. And then, and then Dave Ogilvy produced the second one. And then the third one was like, I was becoming more proficient as a producer and it's like a long album. It's like 18 tracks. I did like, 10 of them and then we had different other people do other ones like steve bays from hot hot heat did mm-hmm. two and then greg nori from treble charger did two uh and that was that was wild because he was like hey um this friend of mine i think would be good to drum on it he's a drummer in paramore and i was like sure so the drummer from paramore drummed on that nice. album. <laughs> yeah so weird and then um and then beyond that uh for fake shark um I'm really picky with working with producers because I kind of just feel like most of the time I could just do it myself, you know? Yeah. Um, and then, uh, so on faux real, Steve Bay has produced three songs. He's a great producer and he really gets it. Um, and he produced our song cheap thrills, which is like one of my favorite things I've ever done. Um, and then on the next album, walking through a fantasy, I produced every song except one which was Steve Bay's produced a song called Famous Enough. So I, and then um, 
I just like doing it. Like it's how I write is by, I don't write, sit down and write an acoustic guitar. I start programming and recording. That's how I write. So it's like, it's getting done as I'm coming up with it. It's just really, it's really fast, you know? And something that always fascinates me, because I I don't, like I wrote poetry that I'm sure, I still have somewhere at my mom's Mm -hmm. house that I'm sure is horrible, but I haven't looked at it since. Um but it always I doubt fa- it's horrible. Well, it's probably very um, true to how you were feeling at that time. It, yes. That's all poetry is. Yes. Yeah. Um, it always interests me in how artists write. So you said that you kind of start with uh, like programming and stuff. Mm-hmm. Are, is, is that first and foremost? Or do you kind of tend to like our lyrics something like not i don't want to say an afterthought but do they come after you've kind of put the the bones or the the crux of the song together no it's it's actually starts like with the song title and then i will get before i've even started playing music i'll try and I'll, if i think of a good song title and, I, and then i'll be like oh um a song like that actually could sound like this and that'd be interesting and then what if the first line of the song was was this that would be intriguing oh, wow. with the song title and then and then because I, I can't i've made so many songs that i'm not like stoked by just a riff now like i just yeah. feel like i've done every riff you yeah know? so it needs to be more conceptual and i start thinking of the music video as i'm mm-hmm. it's really it's really all all at once for me like and i don't know that other people i haven't heard anybody else do that like i kind of no. wish i could just be someone who sits down with an acoustic and just bangs out a good song. It's just really not my style. And but I mean, you can, not, you can really yeah. see that in fake sharks aesthetic. Yeah. Honestly, like you can see that this isn't a haphazardly thrown together, like song video, every kind of like Thank you. that. It's, it's, it's very, I mean, I, I remember I saw you guys, I, I can't remember if I saw you guys as fake shark, real zombie. Mm-hmm. You, you may have played the park theater here in Winnipeg. But I can't. Yeah, we it's... we did that. Yeah, we did that. Um, I think yeah, that was that was on our first tour as Fake Shark. I remember that that um that venue was really cool. Yes, it's it's I, I'm I'm the house photographer there, and those guys yeah. are. It's just a very family feeling place. Like the yeah. owner doesn't let it get run down. Which there's something you know everyone's got a soft spot in their heart for dive bars. I love them. Don't get oh, me I wrong. I fucking love, but, dude, I love a, a nice beer and a nice piece of shit bar anywhere in the world. I yeah, love it. But, I mean, he, he makes sure that, like, there's always, if not, like, just exterior uh, improvements, like the, the the sound system, the lights, the all that is mm-hmm. constantly being tweaked and, like, taken care of rather than letting it go to shit. But Yeah, that's great. Yeah, but back to what I was saying is, like, yeah, it's, it's everything in Fake Shark looks... And again, calculated is not the right word, but just very thought out. Oh, I appreciate that. I, I mean, we we had a lot of years in Fake Shark Girl Zombie where it's like, yeah, you just go play. It's punk rock. You just go play a show. You yeah. know, it'd be lame to do anything more than that. And now I feel the other way. It's like, well, people are paying to see this. I want to make sure it's great. And mm-hmm. I want to make sure we sound great. And I want to make, like, we get lighting and we have visuals. And, like, I just care about it. I want it to be yeah. good. Which is, I mean, which is huge because, I mean, and, and as a photographer, yeah. there's nothing worse than, uh, like, lackluster production or just yeah. no real thought put into it. And I get it. A lot of bands, yeah. especially in the punk rock genre, yeah. don't have money for that. And that's yeah, fine. Sure. 
but you know it just kills me a little bit inside when it's like oh this is could be so much better but you know <laughs> yeah and so you had said that you kind of you got into co-write like you were co-writing with Carly Rae Jepsen before she was quote unquote mm-hmm. who Carly Rae Jepsen who is she is now yeah yeah is it is, is that something you enjoy doing is writing with other people yeah I, and, like especially her because we have such good chemistry so um uh like we've like maybe seven songs together and okay. two of them were on albums um and uh and then i mean before the, all this happened i was supposed to go to new york to write on her next one um i really I, I love it because it's like no pressure on me it's like it's not my band it's like yeah i could just throw out a bunch of ideas and then maybe she'll like it you know and what's um so what's the kind of what's the process when you're like writing with someone like her or just anyone like how do you approach that oh i i only work with people that i'm a fan of so mm-hmm. i will bring ideas that i would think would be as a fan cool to hear from them yeah. so with her i brought like i programmed a few things and i basically programmed whole songs and tried to think up some hooks and then just showed her and then she's actually never said no to anything like she'll be like yeah let's try this one and then we'll write the whole song and then nice and like she's never been like well, i'm not really feeling that like well she'll she's really open-minded and then with like um with uh michaela slinger um she's kind of folky pop um she's just a songwriting machine um so she our version of co-writes is she brings ideas uh i mean carly's a songwriting machine also she's like 200 songs per album that she jesus <laughs> but Man. michaela will be like um i had this i had this um melody and this chord progression and then and then i will just tell her i will just try and edit it with her like mm-hmm. i think you should probably go to a different chord there and i think maybe this part feels repetitive or whatever. And she's like so susceptible to, to it. Like she's not, she won't get upset or offended. Or yeah. So, I was going to say, is, is that tough kind of yeah. tiptoeing around someone's, you know, cause I mean, as you know, your, your songs are kind of your babies. Like they're very close and yeah. they mean something to you. Is it tough? Yeah. Like going in there and being like, no, this doesn't really work. Maybe you should try this and like kind of massage it that way. Um, it, it can be touchy, but I, I just feel like I would never speak to it. I would never speak to somebody disrespectfully. Yeah. Um, so there's, there are ways to say things without being like, without just being like, Hey, your idea isn't good. Like, yeah. It, it, like I said, it's like, cause it is, it is good. It's just like, I think it could be better if we just do this thing instead. And then, um, and then the biggest uh, competition for that is demolitis. Cause people just get really used to their own ideas mm-hmm. and it's hard to visualize it any other way. And have you ever, because I, I just did a, a podcast with a, a friend of mine and he was in Toronto for a while when he, when his uh, old band was kind of running hard and mm-hmm. he, that band imploded and then he started uh, like ghostwriting for people. Yeah. And have you ever done that and have something blow up that's like gone huge? Um, not, I mean, I get, I just get, I've gotten credit for everything big I've been on. Like, okay. Um, uh, yeah. I'm lucky that way. Like. Um, cause I know that that does happen. Um, but ghostwriters typically will get paid really well just to not have the credit. Yeah. So, and that's what he had said. He's like, yeah, he, he got paid very well for like, yeah. he, he's like, you basically go in, clock in for the day, yeah. write a bunch of stuff, go through a bunch of stuff. And then yeah. he's, he was done at the end of the day, got paid well, but one of them, I think won a Juno or something. Yeah. And he's not 
credited and he had to sign yeah. like an NDA and all that stuff. And it was, it was very interesting to see how that, the mechanics yeah. of that works. Yeah. It's, it's, it's so funny too. Cause like, um, those awards, like just from being in the industry, people will have like, it's funny. I just hired a mastering guy to do a comedy album. He gave me like a really good deal. And I found out he has a Grammy. It's like, oh, Jesus. Whoa. like it doesn't even, yeah, it doesn't even like, I like, I hate to say this, it doesn't even really mean anything. Like, um, like I have a Juno, um, mm. and nobody really knows about it. Like mm. I did a post about it when it happened and then, and then people just forget, like, you know what I mean? And yeah. it's, it hasn't meant more opportunities, uh, or anything, you know, it's so, it's so interesting. It's funny. Cause I, I have a friend who was in uh, Matthew Goodband, and uh, he had his Junos in his bathroom. It's like, dude, <laughs> come on. He's like, what? Well, who cares? Like, you yeah. Know what I mean? <laughs> That's. Yeah, I, I was gonna ask, where is it in the bathroom? Like, holding up some toilet paper or something? No, fuck that, man. I got mine. I'm proud of mine. Like, it's mm-hmm. it's just such a beautiful statue. I have it like, I have it next to my plaques and stuff like that. So. And so we we actually met because like. Um, despite me seeing you in fake shark real zombie i'm not one of those photographers that and if you do this out there that's fine that's cool it's just not my scene that like stick around after a show and like show bands the pictures on the back of my phone unless i'm buds with you (laughs) then i'll be like yeah i grabbed this great one of you blah 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 and then that's kind of it but if i don't know you i'm not going to do that i'm gonna get in get out do my photos yeah talk afterwards but um, the first time I met you in person, uh, you were on tour with Die Mannequin. Yeah. And how did you get uh, get hooked up with uh, with those guys? So um, I had been friends with them. It's really strange. So when Fake Shark Real Zombie first started getting a lot of attention, um, I the the management team that was doing dynamic and reached out about managing us mm-hmm. um and so that was kind of how that happened and then when they came to vancouver um we just all hung out and then i we just got along and then i became friends with uh, a couple of people in the band and then when um they were going to because the band is really just uh care yeah it's really just her and then so when they were going to do um, she signed a deal with this label called E1 um, and then they were going to do some touring and then she was going to reform the band with new people um, she reached out to me about playing bass so that's how that happened and then it was fun because it was like um, it was her and me and then Keith Hepler who's in a, a really cool band he was in a band called Secret Broadcast that I liked uh, and then he he's now in a band called Hot Lips and I've been doing some work with them. They're like kind of like industrial pop. Nice. And then, uh, and then this really great guitar player named JC. And so, so it was just kind of like, once again, it was like not my thing. So it was just touring. And yeah. I love touring. So, and it was like big tours. So yes. it was like fun to just, just jump on the road for like two months and just do that. Um, but it was, it was actually tough because fake sharks, first album for real is being mixed at that time and so i was like on the phone backstage in arenas trying to hear the mixes and it was like kind of difficult so when we get got back i had to redo a lot of it but yeah that was how that happened and so like when i met you you guys were opening for uh for manson Mm -hmm. which is i mean you know the the uh the young goth kid in you must have been 
<laughs> freaking out a little bit because it it's Manson. Yeah, it was crazy. It was like I, I was I've always been a Trent Reznor kid mm-hmm. just because of his um, producing and like he's like he's kind of like the White Prince in a lot of ways. Like he plays every instrument and you know he does. So he he was always my hero. But yeah, it was really cool and it was like um, just the shows were. I mean, I had done arenas opening for Mariana's Trench before that. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, I kind of knew what to expect, but I just tried to make sure to, for those kind of tours, it's like the show is less important than like meeting everybody after that wants to meet you. Yeah. So I just made sure I got out there after and like said hi to everybody. And and then we were, we were like, um, we were in a van. So we, we had to like get, get on the road, like right away. Yeah, to get to the next place. Yeah. Yeah. So it was like, it was, it was, it was a, like, uh, definitely took years off my life. (laughs) (laughs) I, yeah, I, I can't even imagine the, um, and so with, with the music and, you know, touring with other bands, uh, producing other bands, having your own band, how, and were you always in, you, you start producing comedy and you've got a comedy podcast now. Were, yeah, you al- like, were you always a fan of comedy? Yeah, like I, um, I when I was like a little kid, I loved Eddie Murphy, even though I didn't really get the jokes. <laughs> yeah, <you know>? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and um, and Bill Murray also, but uh, and then and then like Jack Black and like I always loved it. And then when I was a teenager, this show called Mr. Show came out. Okay, and then um, in that show was a stand-up comedian named David Cross. And I just got so into him that, and he was like part of this this scene called the alternative comedy scene. Okay. And it was like the opposite of Seinfeld. It was like so edgy and like, and he he was the one who was having like bands open for him, and he was on Sub Pop, and I was like, whoa, this this is like everything I love all at the same time. Like I didn't know there was a scene for like, you know, punk rock stand up. Yeah. You know? And so, and then he would, he would always be like, oh yeah. And then my friend Patton Oswalt, and I was, it was like when you're a kid, when you <laughs> buy a CD and you'd, and you'd be like, you'd be like, oh, um, Deftones like this yeah. band called yeah, yeah. Skinny Puppy. Oh, well I'll check that out. And yep. then Skinny Puppy says the cure is an influence. What? Like, so, so you just, so standup was like that for me too. Um, and so I just got really into it. And then my our bands would tour and then Lewis and I were just obsessed with stand up, And so we wouldn't be listening to music. We'd be listening to comedy albums Okay. Uh, on our long drive. So like I became like obsessed with like Sarah Silverman and Maria Bamford and stuff. And then, so when I started becoming friends with, I became friends with a de- uh, stand up comedian in Vancouver, who's from LA named Dino Archie. And, uh, and I asked if I could record him just to try it. Mm-hmm. And then, and then I ended up recording five of his sets and then he came over and we tried to cut it into one thing and we made an album and we didn't know what we were doing. And, and like, it's probably my worst sounding album, Yeah. but it ended up getting um, played on Jamie Foxx's satellite station, like over and over again. And then Kevin Hart's also. Oh, nice. And so that was the first one I did. And then the next one I did um, was this guy, Ivan Decker. And then that one, the Juno. And then, so that was my first two. And so I just, comedians just started coming to me for it like all the time. And not, and now I've done like 50 something of them. Like, 
Yeah, that's. Yeah. I mean, on on your on your on your profile, that's all I see is like just like, which I didn't really know about you that you were like that into comedy, and that that first one, is is it or I mean, recording um, a live comedian is it a lot different than like say like recording a band? Um, yeah, I mean, I I would. I'm not the guy to produce a live music album. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm programming producer guy. Um, so I, I don't, I don't, I, I would think it's way easier to do a comedy album, but, um, I, people, people don't really get how much work it is to do a comedy album, make it sound good because no one really does it. So, uh, crowds sound totally different every show mm-hmm. and are positioned differently and it's the consistency part is like a challenge so but like i do like i did this guy gavin matz um he was kind of like when, when i first started working um and for 604 for stand comedy it was like he was like one of the first guys i really went after just because i believed in him and now he's on been on tour with bill burr and conan o'brien and stuff his album is like half sketches um and i love doing that like it's so fun. Like there's one called high court and, uh, this other comedian, Sophie Buttles, she's like the judge. And then he, he's like arrested for some reason you find out he's arrested just cause she doesn't like him. And then it's just like really petty and she just picks him apart. But I had to do all the sounds for the courtroom and stuff. And like, oh, okay. I just, I just like doing that shit. And then Yumi Nagashima, um, I produced her album and she wanted to do, she's from Japan. So we did like a J pop song called my name is Yumi for the end of it. And it's hilarious. And we did a video for it and everything. And so you you just mentioned that you do A and R for six hundred four for for comedy. What yeah. does what does that entail? Because like I mean, is it the same kind of thing as like A and R for bands? Like you go out and like find and check out comics. Yeah, um, absolutely. I I mean, before all this, I was just out at comedy clubs all the time anyway. So I mm. would just inadvertently see people and then have an opinion. So. Yeah. And what 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 kind of comedy do you like? Like, what's your personal like? what what really resonates with you um i like strong writing mm-hmm. um i used to really be into sort of shocking things but now it's like i think john mulaney is like the best um i think he's like the his specials are so good i mean i have a dave Chappelle tattoo like i'm like <laughs> i love it um yeah i don't know it's just it's it's different i also really love anthony jeselnik who's like the most shocking guy but only he can really get away with the things he does yeah he says uh and i like it because like queens of stone age will have him open and stuff so um yeah it's it's always different i'm really open-minded with stand-up i'm more open-minded than stand-up comedians are about stand-up oh okay do you yeah. do you find it harder working with comedians than like a band um it's because a I mean, separate they... set of challenges. Yes. Uh, I find that bands are more willing to promote themselves than comedians. Comedians okay. don't like like to do that at all, it seems like. I guess it's like a faux pas or something. Um, like bands will go sell their own CD after the, a show. Comedians won't even bring anything to the show. Mm. Or they'll come on a podcast and they won't do a post about it. Like, yeah. like that. Whereas bands are eager for content. You know? Yeah, exactly. Comedians comedians twitters are usually like not very funny also it's like <laughs> like it, it's so weird it's so counterintuitive to like my world of growing up in like diy punk bands you know yeah yeah because you 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 push and you push and you push because you want to make it and that yeah i never really thought about that because i mean i've got some good friends here um 
that are like Winnipeg's comedy scene is it's small, but it's pretty mm -hmm. like it's it's pretty tight and they don't really let people get away with shit here. Yeah. Which I love because there's no it, in, in our scene, there is no room for like sexism, homophobia, like any yeah, of exactly. that. That shit gets shut down real quick. And then, you know, there's only a few people producing shows here and then the pe like someone that's come on stage before and done some bullshit they yeah. just you just won't see them again which is i i think great and uh, the, For sure. the little scene here is is really i mean is working hard so it's yeah i mean that's a great thing um so what does um what does you guys just or released a, a while ago for fake shark uh a new single called yep. bad chemistry and new video yeah, uh, last month i mean it's just it's not a real video it's just like a visualizer just just because you got to have something on youtube instead of just the static artwork yeah so but we we made a, a new crazy one for our our next single superstitious thing where i filmed my face from my apartment and then the director johnny jansen who's he's a genius he, he did the said the whale video that got uh nominated for the juno um for un-american um Nothing's normal with Johnny Jansen. He always has to do some wild, crazy, unique thing, and this uh, video is no different. So that should be coming out early May. And then you said you have a an EP that you are working on yeah. or coming out. It's done. It's coming out, I think, in July, and uh, it's another seven song album. We like releasing seven song records. I think that's a good number. Yeah, I mean, it's it's you might have ten or twelve, but why, you know push it when you can have seven seven bangers on there exactly yeah and how how did the comedy comes here or comedy here often how did the podcast come about um it's just a good way the the owner of six of four just thought it'd be cool to do it so that we have a way to promote our different comedians that we have but then we we wanted to make it clear that just because you're not signing the label doesn't mean we can't you can't participate and do stuff with us because mm. we have monthly a monthly show too. So half the comedians will be not on the label and it's just we just want to be part of the community because the the comedy world in Canada is so exclusive. It's really not fair. Like there are certain clubs where you have to sign a contract with them that you won't perform at any other club. Oh wow. So that sucks. And then there's the Just for Last festival where they barely have any Canadians on the festival. And it's like it's like bullshit because there's so many <sighs> yep. amazing comedians in this country who, and, and then as people are like, Oh, why are you moving to LA sell out? It's like, well, what the fuck are you supposed to do? Yeah. Like that's where the opportunities are. Unfortunately. Like I've, cause we, we in Winnipeg, they have the, yeah, they've got the big Winnipeg comedy festival and I'll look at the, the press release and people that are coming and they've got like some, some Canadian people on there, but mm -hmm. then there's like, what really pisses me off is like, there's no local comedians. Which I mean, yeah. you can't you can't put everyone on. I get that, but you can yeah. give someone like two minutes to open it up and just yeah. you know. But it 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 just irks me. And then I actually had the chance, and I'd never been to a uh, a taping before, and we went mm -hmm. to like the, the 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 gala thing, and they like, I didn't realize how restrictive that is. It is crazy. Yeah. Like yeah, there's know. this there's this one uh, person that came out, I think three times to sell this tell the same joke, 
because she couldn't sing the birthday song, one of them. And then she did a couple other things and it's like, okay, yeah, I know I am never going to go back to one of these again because it's not, it was funny the first time. It's still funny the third time, but I'm already over it. Yeah, exactly. So who, who in your opinion are, I guess, um, number one, bands we should be looking out for or bands or uh, uh, musicians we should be watching out for? And uh-huh. number two, uh, comedians, because I always love uh, hearing new comedians. Yeah. Um, so I will say um, of people I've worked with, uh, Theon are really great. They're twins, um, and they make sort of like indie folk pop. Michaela Slinger, she's great. Um, I just produced this album by this comedian musician. Normally I'm not into that, but this this one's really funny. Her name's Shirley Gnome, and uh, her album, it's, it's called Decoxification. It's about how she didn't have sex for the last year. Um, <laughs> it's really, and she's, she's got such an amazing voice. Like she, she sang backups on some of the fake shark album just because she's an incredible singer. Um, so check her out. And then as far as bands I have not worked with, but I just think are good, Vows out of LA are great. They're from Australia. Um, and the V O W W S. They're really good. Sorry, my headphones died. Nope. No worries. Uh, Vows are great. And then I would also say, uh, there's another, I like Australian bands for some reason. There's a band out of Australia called Wax W A A X. They're really great. It's like, actual rock music (laughs) um and then as far as comedians go um yumi nagashima is really funny gotta check her out and uh andrea jinn is really funny j-i-n and also something i have to ask because i've seen it and i've seen the work on you and i just i just wanted to know the backstory yeah how did you become friends with kat von d so um when I was working a lot with Dave Ogilvy, um, he became friendly with Dead Mouse, and because I was like Dave Ogilvy's programmer off and on, um, I was gonna wor- maybe work on something with the two of them. Mm-hmm. And so when Dead Mouse came to Vancouver, uh, we went, and then he was dating Cat at the time. And oh, so okay. I met her, and then I was wearing a Susie and the Banshee shirt. And that's her favorite band. So oh, we just so. kind of started talk. We we talked for like three hours, and then um, she was like, she was like, "Hey, I'm doing an album. Would you be interested in coming to LA and like staying in my guest house and working on it?" And I'm oh like, wow! Yep. So, <laughs> yeah. So I went there, and then she became one of my best friends. And then I co-wrote a song, a couple songs uh, that are going to be on her album that are coming is coming out. Um, I mean, it was supposed to come out soon, but I don't know if they pushed it now. Yeah. But um, it was cool because um, I got to work on it, and Dave Sitek from TV on the radio produced it. And so um, it was cool having him work on stuff I wrote, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That, that's cool. That's almost like very serendipity that it just happened yeah. that that worked, and it's like her favorite thing. And Yeah. I mean, I've, I've never met her, but she seems pretty – chill and yeah down to earth and she's uh she's really fun and incredibly kind and uh just one of just one of my best pals and has been for like seven years now or something so that's amazing yeah and she's I, done all my tattoos i'm very lucky <laughs> yeah 
man. Yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm definitely, I'm, I'm itching to get something else done. I mean, I'm rapidly running out of space, but oh, yeah, yeah. I've got, um, I've got one in my stomach that's two years old now and it's, wow. and it's just the outline. So I have to like, that sounds painful. It, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. <laughs> also, that being said, um, a few of my friends that are tattoo artists and also very heavily tattooed, they're like, they have a little concoction. They're like, take a couple. Um, oh. um, oh, what the hell is that cold medicine called? Sudafed? Sudaf- <laughs> yeah, yeah, actually, I think that's wow, good guess. some some Sudafed and yeah. then some, um, uh, oh, God, I'm old. The uh, The liquid medicine. NyQuil? Oh, sorry. It was NyQuil and um, a muscle relaxant, like Robaxacet. Oh, okay. And they're like, it doesn't take the pain away because nothing really does. But yeah. they're like, the Robaxa set just makes you relax a little bit more. And then the uh, the NyQuil just kind of gives you that nice warm glow. And, okay. And I did it, and it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. Around my, my wrists and my ankles were still the worst pain I've had for tattoos. But Mine was right over my funny bone. It was like, good. Oh, like on your elbow? Yeah. Yeah. See, I thought that was going to kill or like the ditch on the other side. But those, to me, they weren't that bad. It was just... Yeah. Yeah, The around the, the extremities, which kind of scare me about getting my hands done now. It, it, yeah. That and the, the work that I do, you know, you show up and do a commercial um, kind of thing, doing headshots for like lawyers or doctors and they, yeah. you know... Yeah. I, I, I'm I'm pretty cognizant that I know I know what I look like and I will dress accordingly. So if your yeah. hands are done, you can't really hide those. Yeah, I, I have the same thing. I kind of like that people can either not know I have tattoos mm-hmm. or realize I have a lot of them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you for sitting down and talking to me. Yeah. It's been great. It's been great connecting again. It, it's, yeah. it's great to hear that you've been busy and continue to be busy, which is great because, I mean – through this, I, I don't like to, to to dwell on this whole COVID thing because it's like life is still happening and should continue happening, and people yeah. that can make art and create art should keep doing it. I'm I'm very excited to see what's going to come out of all this because yeah. now with bands not touring, and or comedians not touring, it's really you know they're doing online stuff, which is great. I think it's going to change kind of the landscape of how we take in music and comedy now yeah for sure but yeah i want to thank you for for taking the time to sit down and talk to me and hopefully we'll we'll see you guys out here sooner than later sounds good man thanks for having me thanks okay bye dude well there you go there's my conversation with kevy from fake shark and he also co-hosts comedy here often which i believe you can pick up on itunes spotify as well as some of the fake shark music um go check that out on you know all the all the penniless streaming platforms and it's a, a huge thank you for kevy for taking the time out of his i know he's a super busy person for taking the time out of his schedule to sit down and talk to me for a while um, he's just one of those guys I feel like I could talk to for ages. He's just so accommodating and so nice and just such a conversationalist and has has done and seen some pretty amazing things. So I really hope everybody kind of enjoyed my, my conversation with him. And like I said, uh, the newest video single, Electric Touch, 
uh, out on from their album House of Mirrors out on Light Organ Records. Uh, link and everything will be in the description so you can go check it out. And yeah, again, I hope everybody's doing well. Uh, I know things are starting to, you know, get a little better as far as all this this bullshit goes. Um, normal won't be for a very long time, but um, I really hope people are getting out and enjoying a lot of if if your your place has shows going on, the local stuff that's actually happening. Get out and support it. Um, I will always harp on this because without local people supporting us and if we're not supporting them, they won't support us. And it's, you know, it's that whole thing. It's just, it's super important. So go out, even if it's, you know what to do. I don't need to harp on you anymore. So like every show, I like to play three songs by the band that I just, just interviewed. And this is no different. So we're going to start off with uh, two of their newest songs. First one being the Electric Touch, and then the next one up after that is called Superstitious Thing. Both of those are available on House of Mirrors that you can check out and purchase and stream and, you know, do all the things the kids are doing. And then the last song, uh, it's one of my favorite Fake Shark songs. It's really good. It's super catchy. It's called Cheap Thrills. It was from the album before. Um, all the links You'll, you'll get it all. Go check it out. Go buy it. Go support them. And here you go. Hope everyone's safe. Can you keep a secret? Have you ever taken a leap of faith?
superstitious mind that won't let me unwind I got a superstitious brain that don't help with the thing I got a superstitious way 